Hi, this is Dan. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I trust that it will encourage you and build your faith. If you'd like to connect with us further, our website is revivalnow.com, and you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revival Now Dan Steep. We have the Revival Now app that you can download at your Play Store, and if you use Roku, you can find us on Creo TV. Enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend. Hi, welcome to Spiritual Talk. I'm Dan Steep, and this episode is being brought to you by Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA-used technology in your home, business, or car, it reduces 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, where we get COVID-19, just email the address on the screen, info for Valara at gmail.com. Welcome, welcome again to Spiritual Talk. Um, I want to share something with you in this episode that is unfortunately not widely enough understood within the Christian community, but if you'll take the principles that I share with you today from God's Word and implement them in your life, you can break the ceiling of financial limitation over your life. Most people that I know talk about the limitations that they have or must work within, or that they came from uh, growing up in their family of origin, all of those kinds of things. So this is a very practical uh, lesson. So let's start with Proverbs 10.22 from the New Living Translation. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow with it. We have to start there. We have to first lay a foundation so that you can actually understand from Scripture that God's okay with you being rich, that being a Christian is not a vow of poverty. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow to it. Now, I, I fully understand that there are more than one way of defining rich, and I'm perfectly okay with that, as long as you don't exclude rich from the lists, from the list of items that you would use to, to define rich. Because there's nowhere in Scripture that would uh, cause a person to, to believe that God wants them to be poor. Even the most often quoted, but very often misquoted Scripture doesn't say that. You'll hear people say the Bible says money's the root of all evil, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is neither evil or righteous. Money is amoral. It, it has no compass. The issue is if you're in love with money, if you're obsessed with money, then you have an issue. The love of money will cause you to, to do any number of things outside of the will of God. 
Jesus said, remember, we're talking about just establishing the reality that it's okay to be rich. It's okay, it's okay to have money, finances, material things. It's not okay if they have you. In other words, if they capture your life's emphasis and focus, if they become idols in your life, which, you know, God said, we can't, should not have any idols before him. So Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. The King James says that you would have life and have it abundantly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 and 9. But as you abound in everything, faith, speech, and knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound also in this grace also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty, might become rich. I'm going to share with you just five examples of the Lord making people rich. Before we actually get into these 10 steps, uh, these principles that you can enact in your life and follow, there's Abraham. Uh, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Now, I don't know how you define every way, but I define it as every way. I don't define it as only including finances or money, but I also do not exclude that item from the list. It's funny how ingrained uh, poverty and, and being poor or, or less than rich has just it's just been ingrained in people's minds. Now, Abraham was blessed under what we call the Abrahamic covenant, which was a far inferior covenant to the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And so the question that I would ask is if God would bless a man that much in an old inferior covenant, how much more will he bless those who believe, those who believe him for it? through the superior covenant, through Jesus Christ. Then there's Isaac, Abraham's son. It's again, it's still under the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis 25, 11, the scripture says, After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac. And then, in the next chapter, 26, verse 12, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. So for no other reason, no explainable reason other than the blessing of the Lord was upon him. That's supernatural blessing from God. And then Isaac's son Jacob, still under the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 28, verse 4, he, God says, May God pass on you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. That's big. Abraham was like richy, rich, rich. 
God blessed him so amazingly and incredibly abundantly. He goes on to say, May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. And then in Genesis chapter 30, verse 27, Please listen to me, Laban replied, as he was speaking to Jacob, I've become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. So the, just the fact that Jacob had lived and worked with Laban for a period of time, God blessed Laban. The, the blessing that was on Jacob flowed downhill onto Laban. That's an incredible uh, statement in Scripture. That God would bless someone else, bless your descendants, because of the blessing that's on your life. And that happened with the Ark of the Covenant was dropped off at Obed-Edom's house. They dropped it off because people had died from mishandling the Ark. And so they were afraid, and they just left it there. And the Scripture says that uh, Obed-Edom was blessed beyond measure. He's blessed like crazy because the Ark rested there with him. And so the same blessing was on Jacob, and because he was... With Laban, Laban was blessed. We're talking about incredible, supernatural blessing. And then there's Solomon, and this was under the Mosaic Covenant. Still, uh, still not the New Covenant, but this is what the Scripture says in 1 Kings 3.13. I will also, God speaking to Solomon, I'll also give you what you did not ask for. Because what Solomon did ask for was wisdom. And God was so, like, blessed and impacted by this young man, Solomon, who could have asked for anything, but he, instead he asked for wisdom. So God decided he was even going to give him what he did not ask for. He says, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And lastly, number five, Job. Job was blessed abundantly. And so in Job 42, 11, it says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And what he had before was an insane amount. So that's the blessing of the Lord. And these are all illustrations of the blessing of the Lord, in we're talking about material, financial blessing, as well as other forms of blessing. I tend to focus on the material, financial, not because I think that's the end all, be all. I, it's not because I think it's the most important thing, but I'm I'm pushing back against this notion that's so prevalent in Christianity that you can't be rich, that it's somehow wrong. You know, they'll say, they'll quote Jesus, who said it's, it'll be easier for the, the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get in heaven. So they combine that with the often misquoted, the love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, they take from that that you can't and you shouldn't be rich. But again, it's not a measure of do you have things, it's a measure of do your things have you. Because Jesus also said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So 
You can be a rich person with your priorities straight, and you, you put your treasure into the work of the Lord, into the things of God. And what does that do? It draws your heart into God's heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's nothing wrong. We, it's, uh, I believe it's within God's plan for Christian people to be filthy rich, to fund this great end-time harvest of souls. How else is it going to be funded? The world's not going to fund it. If you pay attention to uh, you know, national and world events, the world is really pushing and working against the church, trying to minimize and really eliminate and sanitize the church's influence on the earth. So I believe it's in keeping with, with God's plan to raise up wealthy people to fund the end-time harvest of souls before Jesus comes and raptures his church out of the earth. So how to break the ceiling of financial limitation over your life. It's a great passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. I'm not actually going to read um, all of the, the verses of Deuteronomy 28. You can read that on your own. I'm just going to pull out some specific verses within that. So this, this is blessing for obedience. And it's to the children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. And the Bible, we'll talk about it later, calls God's people the seed of Abraham. So that means if you're walking in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, you are the seed of Abraham. You're the spiritual seed of Abraham. And every blessing that was afforded to him under the Abrahamic covenant is for you today. So uh, it's again Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse. I'm going to read verse 10. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. I highlight that because all the nations of the world will see. They'll be in awe. That's a visible blessing. It starts in your spirit by faith, by believing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, by believing what God's Word says to us, following these biblical principles, but it doesn't just stay in your spirit. It's manifest in the physical, in the natural realm. So, how to break the, the ceiling of financial limitation over your life? Number one, obey God's commands. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. If you will fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord, your God. 
Your destiny is controlled only by your obedience to God. No one controls your destiny. No devil in hell, no uh, boss or business owner, they don't control your destiny. Your spouse doesn't control or limit your destiny. Your destiny is only limited. It's only controlled by your obedience to God. If you will obey God, these are the blessings that are promised to you. He'll set you high above all the nations of the world. You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. In this same book, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So step one, obey God's commands. Step two, do something. Do something. The, the promise, uh, okay, we're, we're still in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heaven and will bless all the work you do. He blesses the work of our hands. If you're not experiencing the blessing of the Lord, one of the things you can do is make sure that you're giving him something to bless. He doesn't promise to bless one's laziness or procrastination. One of the words the Bible uses is slothfulness. He promises to bless the work of our hands. So do something. Let me read verses 3 through 8. He says, Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Are you catching that? Your fields, your crops. These are things that you do with the work of your hands. Your children, that's your offspring. You created. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. These are all things that you do. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll, they'll scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you. So do something. In Luke 19, I mean, before we talk about Luke 19, these, these words were being spoken to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people have always been an, a very enterprising people. Very active. And, and, and I, I do believe that the, the Jewish people, as it exists today, not, not just as a nation, but Jewish people around the world, uh, the Jewish culture, if you will, is the most prosperous and rich culture in the world. It's, it's the blessing of the Lord. And it's their workers, man. They, 
they, uh, they don't sit by idly waiting for God to drop stuff in their lap, and he blesses what they do. Luke 19, just going to read two verses, verse 13 and verse 26. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Did you catch that? To those who use well what they're given, right? To those who work, they're going to be given more. And those that do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So number two is do something. Number three, go. Go. Look at verse six. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. There's a supernatural power for going. That's what Abraham did. He left his familiar land. He left Ur, and he traveled to a land that God would lead him to. And actually, God just told him to go. He didn't even give him the destination in the beginning. So he went. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 um, and I'll read verse 18 as well. Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go. And verse 18. When they go, they will, right, they'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. That's the promise. That's the blessing. Supernatural power for going and representing God's heart. Amen? So when we go, going has always been a part of God's heart. He wants us to go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel with everyone, every creature. Jesus went, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but ever have everlasting life. Jesus went. Going is always big with God. Staying is like the, the selfish, self-focused mode of operation. Going is the faith step. And we're even told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, that there, are, there is a crown for us for going and sharing the gospel and winning souls. Proverbs 11.30 says, He who wins souls is wise. So one step is to go, to not just stay back and wait. Number four, make your goal to be the lender and not the borrower. That's verse 12, back in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will send the proper time, will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless the work you do. And here it goes. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. So, one of the things that we have to get our heads around is that God actually wants to bless us 
to the extent that we never have to borrow. One of the terms the Bible uses for borrowing is financial servitude, being in bondage to the lender. Another scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5. This is dealing with the prophet Elisha. Verse 5, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5. This is talking about this floating axe head. Um, the prophets were building a school for the prophets, and one of them was cutting a tree, and his axe head fell into the river. And he said, Oh, sir... It was a borrowed axe. What's the point? The point is borrowing and lack are not new. It's going, it going on all through Scripture. With, with, Elijah, uh, with Elijah and the prophets, with a borrowed axe head, with Elijah in 1 Kings 17, where um, the, the lady had to go and borrow a bunch of pots or containers to, to hold all the oil that uh, was being poured out. And in 2 Kings 4, um, this widow at Zarephath, one day the widow, a member of a group of prophets, came, uh, came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and, and now he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves, right? And so Elisha gave her instructions and a miracle occurred. But lack and um, borrowing, those things have always existed. Borrowing's not a sin, but it's a weight. It, it, it's a limitation on your life when you owe money. So, and it's also an anti-covenant action, because the covenant tells us that if we'll put these things, first of all, if we'll believe God's word for our financial blessing, then it, and we'll put these things into place, that we'll have the blessing of the Lord and we won't have to borrow. It takes diligence. It takes faith. It takes commitment. It takes making good decisions along the way. Number five, listen to the Lord. Just listen to the Lord. Verse 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 28 says, If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll always be on top and never at the bottom. If you listen to the Lord. Not only listening to what his word says in this context, but God will give you divine strategies. He'll direct you. He'll give you blueprints from heaven. He'll give you supernatural downloads about strategies for business, investments, um, for, for getting out of debt, all kinds of things that are available to you if you'll listen to the Lord. Number six, remember you're a prince and not a pauper. Remember you're a prince 
and not a pauper. In 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8, that's 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. All right. Here we are. These are the names. Now, I must be... Ah, it's 2 Kings. That makes sense. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed by that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Now, this, this is a story of the Shunammite woman, and her situation was she knew the man of God was traveling by, through there on a regular basis, and so she asked her husband to actually build a room addition onto the house so that the man of God, the prophet um, Elijah, could, could stop in, or this was Elisha, excuse me, and, and have a place to rest and stay. Now, she had, you know, the financial provision to do that, but what she didn't have was a son. She was barren. But she did have financial provision. So she blessed the prophet with what she did have. She sowed a seed out of what she had, believing God for what she did not have. And she sowed that seed without saying anything to the prophet about not having a son. The principle is, if it doesn't meet your need, it must be seed. Because the scripture says that God provides seed for the sower and bread to eat. So some of the seed is for sowing, and some of the seed is for the bread for you to eat, for you to have what you need. So if it doesn't meet your need, it must be a seed. Now, if you contrast this with another woman who she was basically getting ready to die, she was going to cook her last meal and die. And God sent the prophet to her. And this is what he said. He said, go to this lady and she is going to prepare for you or provide for you what you need. And this lady had nothing. Can you imagine having nothing and then the man of God comes and says, hey, give me something to eat? But she didn't know what God had in store for her. And so a miracle occurred, this multiplication of the little bit of oil that she had that was used to get her out of debt and for her and her son to live off of. So which woman do you want to be? The prince or the pauper? You can sow from a place of poverty and give what you have. In her case, that was the, the small amount of, of oil and water or flour that she had left to give him a meal. You can sow out of your financial 
you know, destitution. Or you can sow out of your financial abundance. Both ladies. But you have, in order to do it, you have to remember that you're a prince and not a pauper. You have to see yourself as the seed of Abraham on the earth. Number seven, go to war to break the spirit of lack and limitation. Go to war against it. Don't just accept it. God has more for you. Jesus came to give you life abundantly. And so in Judges chapter 6, we see the story of Gideon. And, and in his story, in the midst of everything that was going on, he tore down the altars of Baal because he wanted nothing standing between him and God's provision for him, which was victory. It takes grace to break through. It takes grace to look at the things in my life and identify them as things that need to be torn down. They need to be eliminated. Either by removing those obstacles, maybe there's a person in your life that God didn't put there. That person doesn't belong there. And that person is, the, the devil is using that person to siphon off resources out of your life. Maybe there are things that you're doing in your life that are money wasters and they're keeping you, they're, they're things that you're squandering money within. Maybe there are belief systems in your life that cause you. I know people that shop therapeutically, not because they need anything, but because they're comforting themselves or they're meeting a need in their life. God will help you with all those things. They can be torn down by the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrected power. Everything. I know people that eat, not because they're hungry, but because they're comforting themselves. Or it's the only thing in their out-of-control life that they can control. They can be torn down. God will give you grace for it. You know, a poor definition of grace is just unmerited favor, which is kind of a common thing, something that you can't earn. But a good definition of grace is divine favor. Divine favor. Because there are things that you can do to merit grace, to cause grace to abound. You can't do anything to merit the grace that saves you and brings you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us that there are things that as a Christian we can do that actually frustrate the grace of God. So identify with what you do and not with what you, what you do have and what you don't. But also, um, not rely upon, but enact and believe for that this grace that God has you, this empowerment, that God will utilize it and move through it to bring you into to personal victory where you're walking clean and free and in the peace of God. 
I started to say, you know, one of the things that sort of can uh, not identify you, but a characteristic of being a pauper versus a prince is those that uh, only identify with what they don't have. Well, I can't do that because of this, or I can't afford that, or I don't, I've never, I won't, all those kinds of things. Why not identify with what you do have? Let's start there. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have eternal destiny with Him in heaven secured. You are, a, a, you are the seed of Abraham, and you are an heir to everything that's promised to His seed. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. Identify with who you are and not with who you're not. If you're not sure who you are, get in God's Word until you get a divine revelation about who you are in Christ. You see, nobody follows the Word of God and stays low. That's Deuteronomy 28, 13. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be on top and never beneath. There it is. If you follow the word, if you believe it by faith and do what it says, you'll you'll always be high and never low. Hallelujah. So, I will bless the Lord at all times in my shortage and in my increase. I'm blessed and who God has blessed, no one can curse. Number eight, remember you're partnering with a supernatural God. And if you're a born-again believer, you're partnering with your God. In all you're doing, remember God is your gold. He's number one. Amen. He's more precious than silver. He's my gold. Number nine, pay your debts. When the prophet blessed the widow, and when all the pots were full of oil, he told her to go sell some and pay your debts. It's integrity. Pay your debts. Don't take the easy way out. Be a person of integrity. God blesses it. He blesses the upright. Shortcuts don't work. Pay your debts. Number 10. Lastly, remember that you're the seed of Abraham. I told you I was going to make sure that we, we talked about this. So, We know that these blessings in Deuteronomy 28 are to Abraham's seed. Many people question whether or not they are Abraham's seed, so I want to share scripture with you from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. The Bible says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. 
for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So that's it. That's Galatians 3, 26 to 29. If you're born again, if you're walking in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And there's, you're, you're no longer who you used to be. But the scripture says, you're all one in Christ Jesus, and you belong to Christ, and you're the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. I have a question for you. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. But are you saved? Are you a Christian? And, and I have to clarify it because there are so many uh, definitions, if you will, of Christian floating around. It seems to mean a different thing to different people. But everything that we believe is based upon God's Word and only God's Word. And we know the Bible says that unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the simplest way that I can ask this question in a way that cuts through all of the like ration, you know, rationalization and all that kind of stuff is this. If you died today, do you know with certainty beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? And if your answer to that question is anything other than a resounding yes, I know, I have a solution for you. I have a remedy. It's for the one who needs to accept Jesus Christ for the first time. It's for the one who's wandered away and you need to rededicate your life. And it's for the one who just doesn't know for sure. You just don't have that assurance of your salvation. You can have it. You can be born again. You can be rededicated to Christ and have the assurance of your salvation by repeating a simple prayer out loud after me. Repeat this prayer out loud because Jesus, not Jesus, but the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's simple. It's not a long, fancy prayer that's saved. It's a short, simple prayer from a place of sincerity in your heart. So pray this prayer with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness. I repent. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it, my friend. If you prayed that prayer out loud after me, welcome to the family of God. You've met the requirements. Jesus paid for your salvation in full. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when you prayed that prayer out loud after me, you called on the name of the Lord. So by the authority of God's word, you're saved. You're born again. And you're on your way to heaven. 
because you have Jesus in your heart. Please go to my website at revivalnow.com. On the front page of the website, there's a big red button that says, I just got saved. Click that button, and it'll take you to a place where you can do a couple of things. One, you can view some video resources that I've prepared for you to help you get started in your Christian life. And number two, you can fill out your contact information. If you fill out your contact information, I make a threefold promise to you. Number one, your information will not be used for any solicitation, uh, for, it won't show up on a mailing list, any marketing, anything like that. Uh, it's only going to be used for these two purposes. Number one, I'll pray for you by name. And the, the other thing is I want to I send you some resources that will help you get started in your Christian life. So just go to RevivalNow.com, click I Just Got Saved, and follow the prompts from there. Thank you so much for viewing this episode. Again, this episode is being brought to you by Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA-used technology in your home, business, or car that reduces 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, email the address on the screen, info for Valara at gmail.com. Thanks again for uh, taking part in this episode. Appreciate you watching. I'll be back again with another episode. So until then, be blessed in Jesus' name.